Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. I'm going to do something a little different for you. This week, I'm going to share the opening chapters of a book I've been working on, on and off, over several years. Ever since I was named as the writer-in-residence at the Trapp Family Lodge, meeting with Maria von Trapp's son, Johannes, grandson, Sam, and members of the family, and putting an unusual story together that unfolds mostly in that beautiful setting, in the mountains, the green mountains of Vermont. These are the early chapters of a new draft for the one. Endorphins pulse through Jamie Butterfield's taut 48-year-old body, still sweating from his noontime jog along Wellesley College's Lake Waban. Plopping down on Severance Green, he drew his water bottle from the sleeve of his running vest and drank most of it down. Unsnapping the vest, he turned it over and unzipped the back pocket, retrieving the mail he'd taken from his office. Part of the daily ritual. Morning classes, cross-campus run, sort mail, shower, lunch at his desk, seminars, office hours, student papers online, work on some article he was preparing, return emails, head home, repeat until weekend. Gazing at the noon crowd, lunching across the green, he glanced down at the usual journal reminders and academic magazine offers before filing them in a nearby recycling bin. Jamie barely noted the invitation to an upcoming Harvard alumni event, though somewhere in his memory he recalled seeing it in an email. He gave a similar non-reaction to a publication notice for a colleague's upcoming book, though the tightening jaw muscles might say otherwise. A final envelope might have been similarly treated were it not for the gold embossing. Classy, he thought, whatever it was. Opening it with casual interest, he sipped his water and began reading the contents. Dear Professor Butterfield, the Board of Governors of the New England Poetry Society is most pleased to inform you of your selection as the inaugural recipient of the Robert Frost Laurel to be presented annually to an outstanding academician who has made a significant contribution to the study of poetry. Jamie stopped drinking. Slowly, he sat upright while reading on. We heartily congratulate you and invite you to join us for our first annual Poet Fest to be held at the renowned Trap Family Lodge in Stowe, Vermont on October 3rd to 5th of this year, at which time we look forward to recognizing you with the official presentation. We request that you promptly apprise us of your disposition and availability to accept this well-deserved honor upon receipt. With best wishes, T. Lloyd Peters, President, 
the New England Poetry Society. Tiny electric pulses rippled through his skin as Jamie sat frozen in the noontime sun, startled as he stared at the letter in his hand. Robert Frost Laurel? But this was extraordinary, like winning the literary lottery. Better! Once upon a time, decades before email had turned letter writing into a lost art, The world had held poetry in its collective embrace. Yet today, poetry fought for notice among the perceived sexier, more accessible literary offerings, which, in Jamie's opinion, included the easily fabricated cotton candy known as the memoir, as well as the opium of the masses, the often overly indulgent novel. At the bastions of higher learning where he taught, Maine's Bowdoin College, the University of Virginia, and his current post here at Wellesley, he'd fought a constant battle for funding. There had been a fellowship here, the odd grant there. Literary journals loved him, and he had a solid reputation with academics. But as far as attracting real notice... James Amadeus Butterfield had found himself about as recognized as a metaphor in a stock report. Taking in the gentle expanse of the lake, Jamie let out a long, marveling burst of air. Patches of sky blue began forming in his head, as if anointing him. What would the great maestro say to this news? The thought pleased him, but close on its heels, a familiar darkness came creeping in, and with it, the embrace of the welcoming color retreated. Angry swaths of orange flooded his senses. For a few seconds, it was all he could see. Biting his lip, eyes tightly shut, Jamie determinedly shook it off. Drawing a deep breath, he slowly opened his eyes, gazing across the grass to the lake. No, this was not a time for painful memories, but a moment of triumph, his triumph. Studying the embossed stationery, he ran the name on the letterhead through his memory. He had no reference point for a T. Lloyd Peters. Well aware of several famed poetry organizations in the Northeast, how was it that Jamie had not heard of the New England Poetry Society? It was an encouraging sign for those in the field. Both South Carolina and California had seen the emergence of new poetry societies in recent years. Perhaps the field was on the cusp of resurgence? Once more, he ran his eyes down the body of the letter, feeling the excitement coursing through him. And then something caught his attention. A postscript that had been missed on first reading. His grin vanished. P.S. I direct your attention to the enclosed stipulation. Stipulation? That was odd, he thought. 
Reaching for the envelope beside him, Jamie located a smaller missive inside, folded with a single crease. Drawing it out, he opened it and found himself confronted with the enigmatic heading Secrecy Addendum. Secrecy? For reasons that will be revealed in due time, the chief benefactor of the New England Poetry Society insists on complete secrecy regarding the Robert Frost Laurel, including the identity of its first recipient. Jamie's heart sank a little as he read on. With great excitement, the newly created organization, its mission and award, are to be publicized for the first time at our inaugural Poet Fest by the society itself. Therefore, we caution that the recipients sharing news of said honor with press, colleagues, social media, or any individuals, public or private, in advance of the society's own release of said information, will necessitate the rescinding of this award. Jamie pursed his lips, staring at the words. Talk about your buzzkill. He'd already been composing a list of people he couldn't wait to call. Rereading the postscript, he felt his celebration threatened before it had even begun. Man, come on, he mused, shaking his head. This benefactor, whoever he or she was, was clearly the type to bring Christmas gifts to needy children, then make sure they knew Santa Claus did not exist. Implications took hold. Jamie reviewed it in his head. He was not free to share word of the award to any family, friends, or colleagues until after the event, and that was a whole month away. There was a slow leak in his bliss-filled balloon. It reminded Jamie of the way Felicity had operated, giving and taking away all in one breath. His ex-wife was top of the list of those to whom he couldn't wait to float the exciting news. It had been five years since the divorce, and it struck Jamie as the ultimate irony that, as a scholar of the Romantic poets, he had never managed to find the one thing they celebrated in verse. Still, even if Felicity would, to his delight, resent this success, she could never stay off Instagram or Twitter if she got wind of this. He could feel the tweet coming, yeah, right, Now he wins a freaking prize. No, she could never keep it quiet. As for his department colleagues, they were chattier than the contestants on The Bachelor, which he would never admit to watch. To have him watched, truth was he reasoned with social media, few could be trusted. Secrets were never secret for long. Looking down at the letter, Jamie begrudgingly reread the addendum. The recipient's sharing news hmm, will necessitate in the rescinding of this award. Somehow, the voice of a 19th century Victorian poet filtered through his consciousness. It was that of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And I must bear what is ordained with patience. Being aware necessity doth front the universe with an invincible gesture. 
patience, he nodded, silently thanking the poet. It would just have to be his delicious little secret for the next month. Reaching for his cell, Jamie punched in the contact number at the bottom of the award letter. He soon heard a recorded voice mail for Greta Pembroke, who identified herself as executive assistant to the president of the society. He left an effusive message about his pleasure in receiving the award and his plans to join them in Stowe in one month's time, careful to emphasize that the stipulation was clearly understood and would be strictly honored. Hanging up, Jamie's vision filled with a cornflower blue and turquoise, an oasis of calm and completeness. Donning his running vest, he grinned, tucking away the award letter, brimming with a honeyed secret knowledge whose time for sharing could not come soon enough. Jamie let out a holler, laughing to himself as he broke into a celebratory mad dash, threading the lunch crowd of students and staff spread across the sprawling college green. This is the first chapter of a book in progress entitled The One. It is my look at how love comes many times and in many opportunities and what happens when we create second chances do we recognize them when they come it's also an opportunity to celebrate my love of poetry it's my understanding of nature and the beauty of vermont and it's about a man who doesn't realize that he's about to come face to face with someone from his past who will completely turn his world upside down. I hope you enjoyed the opening chapter of The One. And I hope you consider that in the coming week, you decide about the delicious secrets that you are keeping when are they best shared and what second chances would you most like in life how does one go about getting them food for discussion until next week I'm Jan Goldstein and this is all that matters matters